Good morning, I'm Jason Black, and this is the BS for Bacon Show. This is the last show before our summer break begins, so I thought we should end this series at the very beginning with loads of bacon. As always, we've got some great recipes from the chefs who stopped by over the last 17 shows. JCVN shares a bit about wine that you may not have known, and we're doing a gadget test for the last time in a little while. There's a book review, this time with a twist, and I'm scraping the bottom of the pot with the letters X, Y, and Z in our alphabet soup. Now, let's get stuck into the vino with JCVN's. You get a nickel, I'll get a dime. We'll go out and buy some wine. Drink it, wine, wine, wine. Drink it, wine, wine, wine. Drink it, wine, 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 all the time. Good morning, Jason. This morning, I'm sending you my voice for my classroom. Yes, I just finished a wine class, and um, it got me thinking. It got me thinking about wine quality. And I think we are making a big fuss about this, and most of us are confused. And this is why, actually, uh, we rely very much on scores from wine critics. But wine quality really does not need to be so complicated. In fact, I always make the same story when I'm teaching a class. For me, quality is like going on hot date. You can imagine when you are going for uh, a date with a, a beautiful woman. So what you're going to do is, first of all, you make sure that you look good. Uh, you are going to prepare yourself. You're going to be excited. So you go to the date. And what do you want from a date? You want excitement. You want diversity. You want something that is engaging, that makes you feel very excited. And so, throughout the evening, you talk with each other. And as you know very well, what a feeling it is when the lady says to you, Oh, I like this. And then you say to her, Me too. And then you say to her, I like this and that. And she says to you, Me too, me too. And then you start talking a little bit about herself, talking about yourself and then the whole evening passes so quickly that first thing you know uh, the evening is in the wee hours of the morning so the first element of quality is complexity the first element is excitement we want something complex exciting something that engages uh, our our uh, senses the second element is balance Think of this hot date. Now, ladies listening, they will understand this very well. Imagine I'm the man, because I'm a man, of course, and I go to this date and I speak about myself the whole night. Speak about myself, 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 myself. What do you think the lady will start thinking? She will start thinking that this date is boring as hell. She will start thinking there is no balance in this date. So she will start looking at her watch and she will start looking at her phone, thinking that what else could I do this evening? So this date is not going to be very long, will it? So balance is very important. We need her to speak a little bit about herself she needs me to let me speak about myself so that there is a balance throughout the evening and there is harmony. There is enthusiasm that continues long and long and long. And so we want excitement, we want complexity, but we also want balance. We want this to be uh, working together. Which brings me to an element I just spoke to. We want this date to last forever because the feeling is so good. We are so engaged. We 
we, we, we learn about the other person and we have such a good feeling and the feeling is in balance, is in harmony. What we want is we want to last until tomorrow morning, that's for sure. And so you can imagine length is very important. And in wine, what is length is related to the aromatic. When we smell the wine, does it smell simple? And I put my nose back to the glass and I discover that, in fact, uh, other than one or two things that I'm smelling, I'm smelling nothing else. Well, that's not very complex, but that's also not very long. But a very good wine is a wine that every time you return to the glass, it gives you a new information, a new sensation. So, and the longer this message and this communication between the glass and your nose lasts, the longer is the wine. And when you put the wine in your mouth, you have this incredible sensation that lasts forever. And this is what we call the length of the finish. This reminds me, actually, that I, when I go in the plane, you know, m my sweet wife, Maria, she always makes fun of me because I always want to be the first one to sit on the plane. And so I show up at the gate maybe half an hour before everybody else, and I make sure I'm the first one in line so that I can get to my seat, open my newspaper, and just relax. And when I do this, you can imagine what happens. I'm sitting on an aisle seat and I can see row people after people uh, coming to the plane to find their own seat. And sometimes, and I try to hide myself in my newspaper, there's this beautiful woman who will suddenly walk by and automatically she's not even close to me but I can start smelling her perfume and then she would pass by and her perfume will start to make me dream and fantasize about a trip that I made or some exotic land that I would like to visit and suddenly the lady will probably has reached her seat already maybe two or three minutes ago but the, fur, the perfume still uh, lingers around and then most likely by this time, Maria will see what, what happened and she will use her elbow and mm, in my stomach just to bring me back on earth, of course. But the bottom line about what I'm saying is that length is a little bit like this, is how long the perfume of the wine lingers. Okay, it's very similar to this, this situation where the perfume, you smell it, and then the person is long gone, but we can still smell and we can still dream. And this is what length is really about. So, quality, Jason, is quite simple. Number one, it's about complexity. It's about excitement. Is this wine complex? Does it give us messages after messages every time we taste the wine? Or is it simple and straightforward and boring? We want excitement. We don't want boring. The second point is balance. We want all of this excitement to be in harmony. Not too much of one thing, but enough of many things. This is what harmony is about. Everything works together. Everything sings together. And there is nothing uh, uh, sticking out. Balance. Number two. And then finally, what we want is once we have this beautiful excitement, this beautiful complexity, what we want is we want length. We want this to last forever because our senses are excited, because when we are uh, in this state of being, 
we are dreaming, we are enjoying ourselves, and we are really uh, having a lot of pleasure. And at the end of the day, Jason, you know, you heard me say that so many times, wine is for pleasure. It should not be so complicated. And we should just enjoy the complexity of the wine, the harmony of the wine. And in the end, what we will want is to enjoy it for as long as possible. Thanks as always to J.C. Viennes. Now, if you'd like to find out more about wine, I suggest you check out his wine blog, www.grandpassioni.com. And I've popped an easy-to-follow link on our Facebook page, Beers for Bacon on RTHK3. Right, over the last 17 shows, I've shared a good few books from my bookshelf. Some have been my all-time favorites, and some have not been worth the paper they were printed on. Now, I've got thousands of cookbooks because I've been collecting them for over 25 years, so I do know a little bit about cookbooks. In my reviews, I've tried to be straight down the line, pointing out what I've enjoyed and also what's irritated me. That's the luxury of subjectivity and also the benefit of being in control of the microphone. But fair is fair on the Beers for Bacon show. So for today's show, I thought I'd eat a little bit of humble pie and get my own book called Cow Pick Chicken off the pile of thousands that didn't sell and get Chef Neil Tomes to review it. You know, we eat with our eyes. There are some great pictures in this book. They tend to remind me of the French farmhouse style. Very earthy and generous. Um, and do they make me hungry? Yes. I was gagging for the tartar followed by the pork and pasta, the tantalizing spicy look to the dish, um, and the the short rib, yum. Um, as for me wanting to cook recipes, it's definitely in the classics camp, although missing a few items like the green pepper sauce and a chimichurri, beef wellington. Um, I'm familiar with actually a lot of a lot of the recipes in the book. Um, standout ones for me would be, uh, funnily enough, the, 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 the yogurt into cheese, making a yogurt into cheese, um, which clearly is not cow, chicken or pig. Um, but that looked really interesting. Um, definitely want to try that uh, burger recipe. I've um, not used those cuts previously. And as you can imagine, I'd, um, I, I, I definitely want to try that. Um I kind of thought there was a little annoying part was that some of the some of the recipes were set on a background of blurred um, pictures, and I, I, maybe it's because I'm old and getting blind. But it, it was it was uncomfortable to read them, and also I thought maybe things like there's there's a direction to do the beetroot until it's sort of like you can pierce it with a with a, um, a toothpick, which is great. But maybe a novice would like to, a rough guesstimation of how long that would take. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not stuffy at all. It's really lighthearted and witty. Um, I, I definitely hear Jason's voice coming through, which is a bit annoying, um, <laughs> but I, I can actually hear him telling me about the recipes and stuff. You can hear a lot more after this. So I think, uh, um, it's your first cookbook. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually think it was really, a really good crack at first, um, uh, first cookbook. I found it, I found it, um, Comforting and very amusing. Uh, at, at the end of the day, this book lives up to its title. And if it's simple, honest, easy-to-do recipes that you want, the book is worth a look. The recipe is easy to follow. 
explanations make sense, interspersed with quirky humour and a bunch of side dishes that are great with meat. I love the book, but if I could only get his bloody voice out of my head. Yep, yep, rabbit, yep, 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 rabbit, rabbit, bunny, jabber, rabbit, jabber, rabbit, rabbit, yep, yep, rabbit, rabbit, bunny, bunny, jabber, rabbit. There you have it from Chef Neil Tomes saying thousands of trees may have died in vain. Maybe I should have taken up haberdashery. We can't have a show about bacon without chatting about the varieties, how it's made and how to cook it. Before going through all of that, though, let's start with Chef Christopher Kerr wearing a salted pig hat, testing this week's gadget and showing us how not to do it. We've got this funny-looking contraption that apparently you're supposed to be able to cook bacon in the microwave. So it's a square-looking char-grill pan. Um, so we're going to... There we go. So you can tell it's a bit plastic and flimsy. It's looking a bit dodgy already. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to put a couple of rashes in the microwave um, compared to putting them in a, frying them in a pan. Um, so we've got, uh, we've got some streaky bacon here. We've got a pan set up, um, getting nice and warm. And we've got our microwave, which we're going to set on medium to high heat. Um, we're going to put three rashes on, on this, this funky-looking thing um, in the microwave. And uh, we're, I, don't, I really don't know how long this is going to take to cook, so we're going to start with two minutes on medium to high heat. Um, and then we'll go from there. And uh, let's see how we go to start. Okay. So we're in, uh, we're in the microwave, medium-high heat for two minutes. Let's start with two minutes, and then we're going to move over to our pan. So... I've worked with a lot of pork products uh, and I've worked with many amazing chefs in my career and to be honest, to tell you guys, if any of them knew that I were cooking bacon in a microwave today, I'd have my ass kicked. So we're, going, we're just going to do a bit of a comparison to the microwave in the pan. So the microwave is on the go. It's got about two minutes left and we're going to start with our bacon in the pan and we're going to see the difference of the microwave bacon and the pan-fried bacon. Um, I already know which one's going to be the winner, but the idea of this show is gadget testing, so proving the methods that are not necessarily the right ones. <laughs> Alrighty, so our bacon in the microwave, looking through the, uh, the door, it looks like bacon is progressing in a pan, basically. It's starting to shrivel and some of the moisture is coming out similar to what it looks like in a pan um, it's popping and squeaking I don't know if you can hear that um, and we're almost there on our uh, on our two minute mark there we go so let's bang it out and see how it goes so it's coming along it still needs a bit more time so we're going to put it back in for another minute or so again on medium high, medium to high heat and let's uh, see how the stuff in the pan's going sizzling away nicely. We've got some nice colour happening on one side, so we're going to turn our bacon over. There we go. Looks good. Looks like bacon. Nice and, nice and brown looking. Bubbling away nicely. Smells great out of the pan, actually. Smells just like, just like breakfast in the morning. <laughs> and our, our microwavable bacon is, uh, is popping away, so let's uh, have another look at it. Go. Yeah, it doesn't look very nice. Looks like a bit of soggy newspaper. There's a lot of lot of moisture coming out of it, and we're not getting any colour like we do in a pan. So I'm just going to turn it over and stick it back in for some more time. And see how it goes. 
Um, and yeah, we're probably going to adjust. Let's just put the heat up to high, the high power, so we, uh, we can move this along a little bit. And then the, the stuff in the pan, I'm just turning back over again because we're almost there. Um, we're looking to get like nice crispy bacon, so it's brown but not burnt, and and it has a nice bit of crunch to it. So the stuff in the pan, we are going to put on um, paper just to. to Drain off a little bit of that excess fat when it's ready. It's almost there, to be honest. Take some of that out. Lovely. Alrighty. So we've got our bacon out of the pan. It looks nice and crispy. It's got good colour. We're gonna now attempt this, this monstrosity in the microwave and see how it is. <laughs> so again, it's been in the microwave the same amount of time as the stuff in the pan has. It's floppy and greasy and wet looking. It has no colour and it uh, doesn't exactly smell like bacon much anymore. So I don't see any char grill marks either. So to be honest with you, I'd, I'd say that this gadget is busted by all means. Um, the finished product's not very nice, and to be honest, uh, I wouldn't serve that in the restaurant, and I wouldn't even eat it myself for breakfast. <laughs> Chef Christopher Kerr taking a rasher approach to bacon than you should. It's fair to say that we've proved that 99.9% .9 of the gadgets tested on the Beers for Bacon show are C for crap. Long live the frying pan and the knife. Okay, enough silliness for now. Let's get our oink on and talk a little bit about bacon trivia from the web. Did you know that bacon is one of the oldest cuts of meat in history, dating back to 1500 BC? Jumping into the time machine and moving forward a bit, bacon in the 16th century was proudly displayed by the European peasants as a show of wealth. Now, when I read that, I wondered if they walked around with bacon over their shoulders, like we do today with heavily branded items. Bacon is loved in America. In fact, it's loved to the tune of nearly one billion kilograms per year. And in particular, bacon fat is a very big part of New Orleans cuisine, from the start of a roux and then using crispy bacon bits on oysters. During the season, we've chatted to Chef Jack Carson about things Cajun and Creole. So it's time for another delicious staple that's bad for the waistline, but it's something that we've really got to get a recipe for, bacon cornbread. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. Okay, I got this recipe from a lady that I used to work with in New Orleans years and years and years ago. Her name was Nettie. So I'm going to call this Nettie's Sweet Cornbread. It's almost as sweet as she was. She's a cool little old lady. Anyway, so Nettie's Sweet Cornbread. What you're going to need for this is two and a half cups of cornmeal. Two and a half cups of flour, one and a half cups of sugar, two whole eggs, two cups of milk or cream. I use cream because it's more fat and fat's awesome. Uh, two teaspoons of salt. Uh, I need one half cup of bacon fat. Actually, bacon fat's so good, let's do two thirds of a cup of bacon fat. Uh, one half cup of sour cream, two tablespoons of baking powder and two tablespoons of baking soda. I know that if you don't have one or the other, you think you can just 
substitute, but this we're using it because it's, uh, it regulates the acidity and the reaction within the cornbread that makes it leaven. Uh, basically what I'm going to do is preheat my oven now to 200 degrees and we'll start with just using uh, the dry ingredients. You want to mix your cornmeal, your flour, your baking sodas, and your baking powder and sugar. Everything that's dry, basically, into one bowl. Very, very easy. You really don't need to incorporate it. I mean, obviously you want to incorporate it very well, but you don't need to go crazy. Now, with the wet ingredients, uh, your two eggs, which will pop open. That's one, two, and I have my two cups of cream and two-thirds cup bacon fat. Now half a cup of sour cream, just fold it in, and we will stir this mixture until it is well incorporated. It's best to have the bacon fat a little bit above room temperature, so it's nice and uh, as a liquid. Then we're gonna fold it together nice and soft, nice and soft, kind of like a, a wing-on cheap suit, okay? You don't want to fold it too hard because you might break it. And as you're doing it, you'll notice that there's a lot of gases that are, are almost like bubbles that are being created in your batter. Now, you want to keep those in there. Don't stir them out. Don't don't uh, move your, your pan too much once you pour it in. I, I'm going to use a cast iron pan. Before I pour the batter into it, I'm going to line it with, of course, more bacon fat because it is amazing. Um, and now that it's nice and lubed up, what we're going to do is now take this very, very quickly, because you don't want to let any of these more bubbles come out. I'm folding it right out of my mixing bowl into the cast iron pan. Again, do not move the cast iron pan around a lot, and don't bang it, don't do anything else. Even if it doesn't stretch to the ends of our dish, it's about a pancake, a little bit thicker than pancake consistency. I would say a tight cake batter. That's what you're looking for. Now that we have it, what we're going to do is, we're gonna pop it right in our 200 degree oven. There we go. Now we need to wait about 20 minutes until it's very, very, I would say more than golden brown on the top of the, it's going to look brown, I'm not going to lie to you. Inside will be nice and yellow, but on top, brown. And we'll see how it, how it comes out. Mm, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. That was Chef Jack Carson getting groovy with it. Now, bacon traditionally refers to pork that's cured, often in large quantities of salt or in a brine. After curing, bacon is called fresh bacon, or perhaps by another term that you may know, green bacon. The traditional buy-off-the-shelf bacon is usually smoked and ready for cooking. Outside of the US of A, pork from the back or sides is used. It's a lot more meaty than the usual streaky bacon made from the pork belly.
No matter whether you like your bacon soft or crispy, there are some simple rules you should follow for a perfect result. For the last show of the season, I couldn't resist asking Richard Ekebis how he likes his bacon, what flavors he uses, and for his tips and tricks to cooking the perfect rasher. Well, that's very easy. You need a good cast iron pan, uh, great quality of bacon, uh, something that is nice wood, uh, applewood smoked, or, or any hickory smoked bacon, uh, not too salted. If it's been too salted, it's better to rinse it a little bit off, so it just takes away a little bit of the saltiness. Um, and then dry it on, on uh, paper, towel, and um, in, in a pan that you slightly rub with a little bit of olive oil, put all these slices of bacon, and then on a, on a medium fire, bake the bacon out till it's golden brown on one side, turn it, and then till it's rendered all his fat. Now you can go all the way crispy, or you can have it a little bit crispy and a little bit still soft, uh, and that is something that you have to decide along the process. I like my bacon crispy. We use applewood smoked bacon from the US right now, and we use a treacle marinated bacon from the UK. So we use two types of bacon, and they're totally different. I still believe that bacon should have fat. So back bacon is, of course, very lean, but then the belly is where all the taste is. That's where you have, you get the chemistry of the structure of the meat, the fattiness, the smokiness, um, and then, of course, the mala reaction by grilling it, and you get these caramelized flavors. So I think that is my favorite, and that's the best one. Life is not worth living without bacon. A big beers for bacon thank you to one of the top 20 chefs in the world, Richard Ekebis. Let's have a little bit of X, Y and Z flavoured alphabet soup. I saved the hardest till last serving up the X for xanthan, a gum made from bacteria that's mixed with corn sugar and used to thicken and emulsify. You'll find it in most off-the-shelf salad dressings and loads of other processed foods. X is also for xylitol, a sugar alcohol derived from fruit or produced from glucose. Y is for yogurt, a dairy product that's produced from the bacterial fermentation of milk. And Y is also for yam, a starchy vegetable root which is in absolutely no way related to the sweet potato, just in case you thought it was. Last but not least is the Z for zymase, an enzyme that's secreted by yeast. It breaks down glucose and other carbohydrates to form alcohol and carbon dioxide, giving rise to bread. It's time to say a big beers for bye-bye from me and my peers for patient producer, Phil Whelan. And of course, all of the fantastic chefs who've made these programs so much fun. Until next time, from me, Jason Black, goodbye.